we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. But uh, tonight it's 1 Kings chapter number 17, and God wants to speak to us tonight. And he's even going to use this servant this evening. I would consider myself the lowliest of the preachers here this evening on the staff, but God even wants to use me and use the power of his word to speak to us and to change our lives for him. And uh, 1 Kings 17 is no exception to this. We know the narrative. We've viewed the characters and the unfolding of the miracles. And most people in this story will notate that which happens to the prophet. We see his ultimate survival as part of what is taking place in this narrative, and it's typically the highlight of this passage. There there is in this passage, however, one who is unnamed. She has no genealogy, no real lineage that, uh, that is of any noteworthy thing at all, but her deeds, however, are etched in the Scripture that we might always remember the widow of Zarephath. I want you to look at 1 Kings 17. And uh, pastor said, I've given you more time than some of the other guys, so hopefully we'll get to all of it this evening. Verse 8 says this, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to sustain thee. And he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And he said, As the Lord thy God liveth, and she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of the meal wasted not, Neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Let's pray this evening. Father, we love you, and Lord, we thank you for the scripture. Lord, we know that you want to speak to us tonight. Lord, we know that you want to move in our lives, Lord, to change us for your glory. Help us to see the passage that's in front of us. Speak to our hearts. Change our lives. Etch that which should not be in us this evening away and make us like you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Look back with me at verse number 13, if you will. Look at this phrase. Fear not, go and do. Will you say that with me aloud? Ready? Fear not, go and do. I love that passage. You're right. Uh, shout out to all the children that are in here tonight. It's really good to see our young people. I know we're, uh, we're making strides and doing well. That's excellent. God's called you to do it. You have all the tools in front of you that you need, and they're right at your disposal. It's not going to guarantee a struggle-free life. 
But this struggle that we have, uh, through this struggle, we have grown in faith. And through faith, we've learned what it means to be obedient. And obedience, we have experienced blessing. Uh, isn't it great to see the progression in our lives as God grows us? Uh, the Christian that I started out as, barely being able to understand a verse, let alone to quote a verse, let alone to say that I've read a chapter, and, and to think where one graduates in their Christian life, in their growth with Him. God wants to grow us. And God uses these experiences to grow us where we ought to be. Uh, it, it, is, it is far a cry from that of no struggle. We'll, we'll, we'll encompass those struggles. We'll see those things. Uh, the, the Christian that tells you that, the, that God just takes away the struggles as you serve Him, uh, he, He's lying to you. He's not telling you the truth. Uh, I see that prosperity gospel as it is preached these days. And the idea is that if somehow we give the right offering, or if we contribute at the right level, that God is just going to wipe away any struggle that we may have. And yet, if you're a Christian for any length of time, you know different to that. Well, I'm thankful in this passage that we see this. And first thing I see in this passage is that God selects our trials. God selects our trials. Uh, I remember, and I was recounting with one of my friends this week, in fact, two different friends this week, about the process of bailing hay. How many have ever bailed hay before? Uh, isn't that fun? The first time I ever bailed hay, uh, I, I, was, I was young and uh, I was excited and I thought I could do this and I got lots of experience with lifting things so I showed up in a, a tank top and a pair of jeans and, uh, and by the end I, I, was, I was inhaling all of the hay and my arms were scratchy for about three weeks and scarred and all that went on. Next time, I, for whatever reason, I had a flannel shirt on. I couldn't figure that out. And... Uh, Things changed. But you know, when, you're, when you first start on under the hay billing business as it is, uh, you don't get to choose your job. Now, in Indiana, they've got these great big combines and great big tractors. Am I right, Jenna? They've got, uh, they've got all these corn things and big tractors and combines, and they've got air conditioning in them. And honestly, I, I'd like to get into the combine and turn on the air conditioning and, and be the guy that drives, but I don't get to choose that. If you're, the, if you're the base level person in bailing hay, you know what you get to do? You get to load the wagon. Uh, that's the guy who puts his hand between the two pieces of twine, grabs another piece, and he heaves the one up, and then he takes his arm and he reaches over, and you get a rhythm going, and you get it going. By the end of it all, uh, you can taste the hay. It's in your nose. It's in every garment that you have you'll be digging out of your pockets for so long nobody likes to do that yeah well then after you get it onto the wagon you got to get it off the wagon up into the barn now i'd like to be the guy that uh, operates the engine because that's easy but if you're base level you don't get to do that you get to go way up into the barn where it's 400 degrees and it's already dusty and dark and you can't see but you get to stack the hay and it's and it's grueling and I remember as a young man doing that, thinking, I hate this job. I hate my life. <laughs> it's good for you. It builds character. I remember Dad saying that as well. You know, in life, we don't get to choose our trials. We don't get to choose which affliction comes our way. There have been times I'd like to have chosen my trial. It might have made life a little bit easier for me. But I take comfort in knowing this, that Christ selected my trial. God knows and selected my trial. Uh, there's an internal struggle that comes with every trial that is here. Uh, Elijah, who uh, of course is what we're looking here, is not the highlight of the passage, but he's told, there's somebody who's commanded to take care of you. Uh, 
You need to go there. There's a widow there. Now, the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of insight into the life of this widow. Uh, we do not know the circumstances of, of her husband's death, nor do we know the time frame of when this happened in her life. Uh, I can take some judgments here, and forgive me for any stereotypes that I make here, but I remember as a kid thinking the term widow spoke of somebody that was up in age. I remember thinking that as a young man. Anybody else think that? Okay, I'm not the only person here like that. But she has a young child. The Bible specifically refers to this as a child. So somewhere here, there's a, there's a threshold. She may be middle-aged, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, but we don't know a whole lot about this. Uh, perhaps maybe it is that her husband would have passed because of this famine. Uh, maybe it is because of the drought that is here. She's experienced this loss uh, of her husband. But we don't really know. But I know this, she didn't choose this life. She didn't choose this pathway. In fact, the journey, the, the pathway in her mind, I wonder if she could have said, well, I, I didn't plan on it going this way. Uh, I know I've thought that in my own life. I didn't plan on it going this way. I know a number of times in my life, though, even having said, I didn't plan on it going this way, that the Lord was even in control of that. Not just many times, all of the time, he was in control of that. May I make today a tribute to the dear widow who serves the Lord? I, I was reminded today, and one of, the children, one, of the, one of the kids asked me, Dad, what are you preaching on tonight? I said, the widow Zarephath. And somehow this lady's name actually came up in conversation. Her name was Nina Moore. And she belonged to our church there in Newcastle, Indiana. And she loved the Lord. She loved the Lord with all of her heart. And she loved her church. And really, she loved her pastor. I remember going, and I usually tried to make a visit once a month to go there and, and just to spend a little time with her. And she said, Pastor, you know I used to write for Child Evangelism Fellowship. And uh, she said, I've got some good material for you. And she pulled out some notes. And they were handwritten notes. She said, I want you to see these. They were well written. And she said, I want to give you a book. And she pulled out a book, a, a noteworthy book, a book that uh, I lost in the move, as I told you about the other day, Pastor. But I, I, that book was, was a rich book, uh, full of uh, just terrific wisdom and perspective. But she said this, she says, Pastor, it just means that I have a little bit more time to pray for the church and to pray for the people of God and pray that the work of the Lord get done. She said, this is my ministry. She said, I, I'm, I don't remember her exact age, 90-something years of age by the time we had left. She said, I, I can't go out and go door to door. I can make a visit but I can't go out and go door to door. And I, I really don't like to drive much past a certain time, but I have devoted my life to praying for the people of God. And she meant it. I had seemed like a, a ministry built around quite a few widow ladies within the church. And they love the Lord. <laughs> and, and they love their church. And they love their pastor too. I just want to say that much. And that was a pleasure to us. I wonder how many times God has brought us down such a pathway of trial. Which life-altering, perspective-shaking reality have you entered into that is within your view? You know, in each of these trials, we can see God. We see also within this an innumerable concern. Uh, as, as she's here, the, the Bible speaks of what she is doing, and she's gathering to, together here. Uh, I, I notice a couple things she's gathering together, but out of all her gathering, she finds... How many sticks she finds? Two sticks. I like the numbering of this. She's gathering. I wonder if sticks weren't prevalent at this point in time, or maybe there was such a drought that there was nothing left 
I, I, serious, I, I wonder. I, I just wonder if this, she finds two sticks and, and a handful of meal and a, just a little drop, a few drops of oil. I think of the, the human concerns that I would have. Will this be my last meal? Well, it seems like, as, as she said, she's reserved that that's the case. This will indeed be my last meal. Uh, will we die in this process? Uh, a question that's often asked on adventures like yesterday. Uh, she's reserved that this is, this is the last meal. This is going to be my last meal. Uh, it's, that's this part of the plan. I wonder how many of her friends, her neighbors, had already faced the same dilemma. Laura and I had uh, a privilege yesterday under the direction of, of Mr. Winstead to, uh, to help a, a lady that was in need. I don't know if I can tell this or not, but it's too late. I've already got the cat out of the bag here. And it, it, was, it was such a blessing to me. You think, I'm going to go and minister, I'm going to serve, and you always leave blessed. But she said, I keep asking, can things get any worse? And people keep telling us, no, it, it always gets better, but it doesn't seem to get any better. And she spoke about a, a car issue and, and a job issue and a provision issue and all of these things that seem to just unravel and fall apart and things that seem to go the, the way that she did not plan, a, a physical, a mental, a spiritual strain that is here. We see in our own lives those innumerable concerns sometimes. If you're like me, you're, you're a thinker. You're a, a list taker. You're a goal setter. And, and you look at things in life and you, you, you start checking off the things that you're strong in. Or maybe you see a big list of things that need to get done and you try to knock off the greatest thing that is there. That's usually what I try to tackle. I call that psychological warfare. And so we do that thing in our lives and, and we're, we're looking at these things and sometimes it'll keep you up at night. You'll, you'll be up at night when you begin to think of the things that are in front of you that need to be done. And you begin to think of the tasks that are there, and it can be consuming. And then you couple it with a little bit of trouble, a little bit of issue, or in this case, a great issue. She said, I've got a handful of meal, a couple drops of oil, two sticks, and it's going to be my last meal. Have you been at that place where it's been all-consuming to you? Uh, the other thing I see in this is the insurmountable obstacles uh, the selection of our trial is not a luxury that we can maintain. The trial of our faith is a divine appointment for our good, for our growth, and ultimately for the glory of God. God desires to grow us through these trials, and I'm thankful for that. The fear that accompanies every trial can indeed be crippling. Yet he says to her, fear not, go and do. Fear not, go and do. She says, this is my last ditch effort for survival. It is without any other hope or here or elsewhere, I don't know where else to turn. I'll take the last little bit of that I have. I'll take the last bit of oil. And this will indeed be my final meal. Now, I don't believe at all that this is the wrong decision. She's making the best out of the items that she has, the provisions that God has given her, and she's taking those resources and using them as best as she could. Would be that these moments be done for the praise and glory of our God. Uh, this week we had an opportunity in our Sunday school class to look at John chapter number 17, and I, I won't look there this evening, but it speaks perpetually about the glorying of the Father, bringing glory to Christ. It seems like the unfolding that the disciples are, are, 
are living out within their lives are for the purpose of bringing glory to God. And you know, even in this situation, God can and will get the glory. I see in this passage that God selects our trials. I see also that God stretches our faith. Uh, The old song, I wonder have I done my best for Jesus. Boy, I love that song. I, I don't know if that's a current song or if that's an old song. I think that's an old song. And I remember my, my pastor, my former pastor and his wife used to sing that. And pastor would take the, the melody and uh, Mrs. Parker would take the harmony and they'd sing their hearts out to that song. And I learned that song because of their singing. And uh, I love that song. And I begin to think in my own life, the message of that, have I done my best for Jesus? How many are the lofts that I have lifted? How many are the chains I've helped the free. I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me? What is the potential of what God can do if we would live our life in an unwavering faith? Here God desires through this to to stretch faith. I read this this week. Faith is a confidence in the person of Jesus Christ and his power so that even when his power does not serve my end, my confidence in him remains because of who he is. Can you say that tonight? You say, well, I'm trusting God for the result. And and maybe you don't get the result that you're trusting for. Maybe you're not going to get the result that you were expecting. And yet the objectivity of my faith is still found firmly in Jesus Christ. How many times have we seen the narrative of somebody who says, well, I prayed for this, and my prayer did not get answered, and therefore I'm done with church, I'm done with religion. Folks, I would say venture to say that that may be an unfounded religion, an unfounded relationship altogether. For our faith is found in Jesus Christ, and we'll rest in his care. We'll rest in what he is, what he's able to do, and we'll trust in what he's going to do. There are those who say, I've learned this, and I put my full trust in the Lord. And then there are those of us who say, I trust you, Lord, and sometimes I can't control it, and so I trust myself. And yet the scripture says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. We don't enjoy the stretching. We don't enjoy the the process of stretching. We don't enjoy the difficulty. Uh, Now, sometimes you you can, if you you have the perspective that God is doing this for our good. Uh, Boy, that, that stretching, though it hurts, though it puts you at a place that you weren't previously able to go. I remember at one point in time that I lost some mobility in my shoulder, and and it, it, was, it, was, it was awful. And so I, I got myself to a spot where I'm doing better than I was. <laughs> and that's, that kind of hurts, but I, I'm going to go a little bit further. And so I'd pull a little bit further back, and I would pull a little bit further back. You know, not only does that hurt just a little bit, but, but it feels pretty good. And then I got, got really good mobility in this. And, and the process hurts, but ultimately what takes place is great. And you say, well, I've got great mobility now, and I'm not going to try to do that in the middle of things. But uh, you, you get the picture of it. We say we don't like the stretch. We don't like the difficulty that comes with it. But indeed, we love to see the finished product of what what the Lord does. Uh, Sometimes we wish for something altogether different. I think of great trials that took place within the the life of of Jacob. And uh, the the verse says this, And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but for a few days for the love that he had to her. Uh, In Genesis chapter number 32, there's another portion of Scripture and, and he, he looks, he's ultimately looking at the Lord, and he says, I will not let thee go. I will not let thee go. 
until they bless me. And there's a, a struggle that is going on in Genesis 32 that I'd invite you to look at there. And, and through that stretching and through that trial, God blesses him for his, uh, for his focus upon what God is able to do. And I believe that God wants to bless those that endure trials faithfully, whether it be by increasing our faith or meeting our need or ultimately taking us to glory. I have resolved that I'm going to trust the Lord. God selects our trials. God stretches our faith. And God sustains our life. I don't believe this has anything to do with contentment or, or, or comfort. I don't think that they're connected this evening. And you say, I, I want to I latch on to this gospel that's being spoken of here. I want to latch on to this gospel that's being preached that says, if I'll just be a part of this, this, uh, this religious form, then I'll, somehow I'll be rich and I'll have everything that I want to. The scripture never says that. Never says that. In fact, most of the disciples that go around have literally nothing to their name. And even, even of Christ, uh, hath not where to lay his head, the scripture says. But if we think of this, and the scripture says in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And he says, I will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you'll find this, if you haven't found it already, that if you're serving the Lord, there are times that it's difficult. There are times that it's really difficult. And, and you may say, you may be transparent enough to say, I struggle. I'm struggling greatly. And I, I've been able to tell some of you that sometimes. I'm struggling greatly in this manner. I'm struggling in this uh, avenue of my life. And the struggle does not go away simply because we see what is going on within the Scriptures or because we've accepted Jesus as Savior. But the struggle is there, but we're going to rest in Him. And we're going to cast our burden upon Him. Most of us would say today that we have more than we need. We may feel that our needs are great. And I've often prayed, Lord, we're a needy people. But the reality exists that He meets our need. Pastor, you spoke recently in the book of Daniel. You said the Lord may deliver us from the furnace. Uh, such a, a terrific passage there as the three Hebrew children are delivered from the furnace. And there are great things by way of testimony that the Lord does in that passage. But you said also this, you said the Lord may deliver us through the furnace. And they had made that resolve already that if it were to take their life, they were okay with that because they were going to keep their eyes upon the Lord. Can you imagine the dialogue that went on between Elijah and, and, and this widow, I'm sure there's more than actually took place here. I, I sometimes have these mental conversation of what might have taken place. And he says, hey, did, did you hear that God fed me at the brook? Just a couple of verses early. Oh, yeah? How, how did he do that? Oh, he fed me by the ravens. Do what? Yeah, scavenger birds. Uh, God used scavenger birds. They brought me meat and they brought me bread and I had everything that I had. And the widow says, really? Yeah. And you know what? He's going to use you next. I know you don't have a whole lot. Just, just get what's in the cupboard. Bring it all together. Make something good for me. And, and, and take care of me, because that's what you're supposed to do. But God's going to take care of you, too. And she says, really? Yeah. 
He's going to sustain your life. And the barrel of meal is not going to run dry. And the cruise of oil is going to have everything that you need in the time of this drought. You know, God selects our trials. He stretches our faith. He sustains our life. And lastly, he superintends for our specific need. I'd like to take you to the rest of the passage this evening. I don't think I have time, but you know the rest of the story. I want to say this. Don't miss the miracles of God's blessing because we fail to acknowledge God's hand at work. You may say, I've never really witnessed a miracle. And you think of the miracles, and I think of, of Christ going to the blind man and spitting into the sand and taking the sand and putting it on his eyes and the man's sight uh, being restored. I've never seen anything like that. Or, or the man with the, the withered hand and, and it being restored. Or, or the man that is, that is sitting outside the temple and he is able to rise up because of what God has, what Christ has done, because of what the Lord has done in his life. Never witnessed a miracle like that today, but I tell you, I see miracles each day. I think of the miracle of salvation that he has wrought in me, and I want to personalize that this evening and say, praise God that he saved me. Uh, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. I deserve hell. I deserve death. But Christ reached down, and he saved me by his grace, and he can do the same for you this evening. I look out tonight, and I'm so thankful for all that are here. There are some faces I've never seen before in my life on a Wednesday evening. Praise God for that. Whether you're a visitor or you're a member or you've been here all your life, if you need Christ, tonight could be the night of salvation for you. It's time to submit to the Lord say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. One man said this of, of his own life. He said, I, I love it when it doesn't quite add up. It means that the Almighty is about to do something amazing. You know, we've been so accustomed to accepting the results that I think sometimes we... Sometimes we don't expect God to bring a miracle. Why should we be surprised that the God of all miracles can do something miraculous? Why should we expect anything less than that? Now, we've seen God make provision again and again and again at Tabernacle. I've been so thankful for that. I've been privileged to witness this. I've been in and out of this church through the years. I'm really not a faithful member of this church uh, some of you that are new here or don't uh, know that, there's a bigger story there. But praise God, he's brought us back to Tabernacle, and we're so thankful to be here. But God provided back in the good old days, too. And he's, I think we're living in the good old days right now as we speak. And he's going to continue to provide. And we're going to thank him each step of the way. And we're going to give him glory for all the steps that are here. And it is a beautiful thing when the God of all wonders performs. I, I think of... Uh, what I saw in Exodus, I was reading in Exodus this week and uh, looking at the varying plagues, and, 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 and the, the plagues are amazing. There, there's the blood and the frogs and the lice and the flies. And the kids and I watched a, watched a movie. It was that's all it was, was a movie on this thing. And the, the way they tried to explain what was going on, one of my sons says, Well, that's not how it happened. And, and they, they, tried to, they tried to dramatize it. And it was, a, it was terrible anyway, it was awful. But I begin to think what was going on there. And, and, and God wrought wonderful miracles. And you say, what was happening in all of this? Well, God was bringing the people of Israel back to himself. 
And they were able to leave and they were able to worship. And they were able to see God for who He is and what He's done. And they were able to worship again in a way that they weren't able to worship before. He was restoring what was lost to the people as they make their exodus from Pharaoh and they make their exodus from Egypt. God says, I'm going to reward you. You're going to have things. You're going to have things that you didn't have before. And they leave uh, not having jewelry, not having things before. And now they have those things as they exit. But there's also a, a reminder to the Egyptians that the Israelites' God is indeed the God of the world. The God of all things. They worship these, these mini-gods. These, these things that they fashioned with their own hands. These things that they have created. And he says in Exodus 14, I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. Speaking as they're leaving, he's going to go and pursue them, as you know. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. You know, I think of these trials that are in our life and God wants to get the glory. He selected those trials for you. Uh, my trial is not like yours. Uh, your trial is not like mine. We may have some overlapping tendencies in all of that. We may be going through some of the similar things, but even if it's the exact same scenario, there are differences. And God has chosen that trial for you today. God also has a desire to stretch your faith. May very well be through that trial that that is which the agent that he's going to use to stretch your faith. I want to say this also, that in that trial, God is going to sustain your life. He's going to give you that which you need so that you can serve him here. And you can serve him now. And he's also going to superintend for your specific needs. I'm so thankful that all the tools that I need are at my disposal. Everything that I've ever needed to serve him is right here in front of me. He says to her, fear not, go and do. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you and thank you once again for listening.